I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You're listening to After Law, broadcasting from the beautiful South Berlin. Set no Hello dear listeners, welcome to a very special and very personal edition of Achtung Millwall. Joining me on this special edition is my co-confederate, Mr Neil Fisler. Welcome to the show, Neil. Hello Nick, how you going mate? Happy 50th mate. Happy <laughs> 50th. That's the reason why it's a personal show, listeners. This Today, March the 31st, we're recording this Thursday afternoon, and it is exactly 50 years, listeners, since I the very first time that I set foot in Colblow Lane, which was March the 31st, 1972, when the Lions beat Portsmouth in um, 1-0 at the Den in a famous run, a near-miss run towards um, promotion. A, a game that we've covered quite a few times and the, and the season we've covered quite a few times. Um, but 50 years, long time, Neil. Um it's a very strange feeling, 50 years of following Mill. It's the, it's the one single thing that's followed me through my life. It's, it's quite an odd feeling when, when, you, when you look back at it from that, that, that perspective. It's probably 50 years of heartache, misery, every <laughs> single emotion that you could, human emotion that you could possibly go through. It's probably <laughs> something that you probably don't regret doing. It's no, like no. It, you walk out of a ground on a Wednesday, Tuesday night, it's pissing down with rain. We've just been outplayed by some hell hole up north that you don't even <laughs> want to visit in your life. <laughs> you to the How boat, many times? How many times? And you vow to yourself, I'm never going to do this again. Yet, Number Saturday of times. Noon, yeah. Home game, sun comes out. <laughs> It brightens the mood in your brain there for yet another round of it. Mate, it's just one of those things. Football is a strange and cruel mistress, and Millwall's even worse. Absolutely. Absolutely. 50 years ago today, listeners, was the first time that I clanked through the turnstiles off of um, Coldblow Lane, having walked across with my 11-year-old mates from school. Every time I think about it, it's a bit weird bunch of 11-year-olds take off on the trains and go to football for the afternoon and no one batted an eyelid. Such were the times. 
Um, so what I've done for this show, because normally we do our Mill History Fixtures, Neil, wouldn't we, for April, but I've, we've slightly right. kept in touch with that a little bit, but otherwise it's a personal choice of um, five fixtures from my Millwall life that have meant something to me, um, and that's been the the framework that I've, I've tried to pick these these games out. They, they've got a, there's a lot of big games that I've seen in that time. It's quite hard to sift it down to five, but I've five plus one actually. Um, but these 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 have personal impact in a way that maybe some of the others did, but didn't in quite to quite the same level. I think um, we started ten, didn't we? And then we realised that we'd probably ten was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> we started off <laughs> we started off listeners um with doing a top 10 um but that, that that's just a lot of hard work i'm getting too old for this game listeners and um i've skinned it down to to five plus one one infamy and five positives um because you can't follow me all nil without staying in touch with disaster and infamy. It, it is the shadow that follows us all around, isn't it? Um, and it's, there's also a coincidence that we're playing at Luton on Saturday, and I thought it might just give us a link with our normal format of um, the, the forthcoming month's fixtures. But this is obviously more, more of a personal one. I'm going to kick us off with a day that lives in infamy. <laughs> the uh, 1985 um, FA Cup quarterfinal, Luton Town won... Millwall nil. Were you at that game, Neil? Did you go to that one? I I think I was still at school. Were you still at school? I went to I, it. I was just about to leave school at the time. I went to it, um, and it was a funny it, it was a funny time in my life at that point. I wasn't going very regularly at that point, so I was, I'd done about a glory hunt. I'd been to the Leicester game, the two 0 win. In the previous round, when Gary Lineker famously took the pitch at um, at the Den, we'd beaten Leicester in the fifth round. That would be, um, but we've covered that game in previous shows. So I, I, I've gone for a, um, a game that lives in infamy: uh, the, the famous events of the thirteenth of March, nineteen eighty-five. Achtung, Milbal. And the scene still going on after the final whistle here. Supporters, or so they would call themselves, they're not, have gone across and started to throw seats out of the stand, adding to the scene of devastation and unrest which the police are trying to control. One has to say that uh, in a week when the Chelsea crowd trouble is going to be investigated by the Football Association, there's another major inquiry needed here. And something, as we've said before, sooner or later has got to be done to try to prevent people like this spoiling the football for others. I couldn't really tell you much about the game, Neil, because the ground was packed to a level that um, still takes the breath away a little bit. I, my brother and I um, went quite late. I think it was a pay on the day. This is unbelievable when you, you, you repeat this stuff back. But I think Luton... Um, made it pay on the day um, for an FA Cup quarter final against Millwall midweek Wednesday night. Incredible when you when you think about it, isn't it? Absolutely. That it 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 was just a different era, wasn't it? It was a yeah it was an era where you could rock up to a game on a Saturday afternoon wherever you liked, virtually, wasn't it? And you could get in as yeah, long as um, go wherever. You didn't need to plan your life in no. detail. If and this was how football was, wasn't it? This was yeah. this was this was your norm. And 
interesting as a consequence to the events of that night, which we will come on to in a moment, one of the punishments meted out to the Lions um, was that their games were made all ticket. And that was seen as a punishment. It's the norm now. Um, you wouldn't really expect to go to any sports event, really, without a ticket being issued. But back then, it was give some cash to a man on the turnstile and in you walked. And so it was on this famous stroke infamous night um, at, at, at the Kenilworth Road Loon. We arrived um, reasonably late. We, 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 I wasn't going to go, and I can't remember why I wasn't going to go. Um, my brother says, shall we go? And at the time, he owned a Triumph Stag, and it was about half six at night, and the game kicked off, I think, 7.45, I think. He said, shall we go? I said, well, it's half past six now. You know, how are we going to get around to Luton? And, you know, he said, oh, we, we, we'll, we'll shoot round in the stag. And we, we tunned it round, <laughs> literally tunned it around the M25. Uh, so we did get there. Um, I think the game had kicked off by the time I walked into the ground with him. Um, but you couldn't see a thing, Neil. I mean, I, I got a glimpse of about a quarter of the right side of the pitch because the terracing was so packed. There were people on the fences. There were people... Um, you know, it, it was just a wall of, of, of bodies in front of us. Um, everywhere you looked, there were people holding on to um, whatever view they could muster. Um, it was it was a horrible night, really. Um, the, the game was interrupted on a number of occasions. There was the famous scenes, of course, um, after the game of uh, the police um, being chased off the pitch by um, and, the, and the seats being ripped out of the side stand. That strange little lower stand that Luton has and the kind of Frisbee style, um, you know, seat spitter being, being thrown across the pitch. Um, yeah, ground improvements before the Taylor report, wasn't it? Which actually followed <laughs> on from this not long after, wasn't it? And yeah, but it's quite it amazing that Hillsborough was what, three, four years after this? Well, actually, I'm mean, just for the purposes of our show listeners. I mean, obviously, um, this is one of the the turning points of a decade of turning points. I, I suppose when you, you you think of football existing in its own world, and it, it does to some extent, but when you look at the the list of events of the 1980s, it was a tumultuous time. And having lived through it, you you don't really realise how much um, went on. The Brixton riots, 1981, the miners' strike, Battle of Orgreave, and there was riot and police battles with the striking miners, 1984 to 85. Mules' Luton riot began a sequence of disasters in football. The March Luton riot, shall we call it. Uh, May, the Bradford fire disaster, where um, 56 people, I think, tragically lost their lives at a wooden stand that set fire at Brad Bradford City. Uh, May, the Heysel Stadium riot, where um, 80 or 90 people died in, in the European Cup final, Liverpool versus Juventus. An event that still, um, I mean, it's not this is not a Liverpool show, but it's an event that really outweighed this evening's events at Kenilworth, but somehow Millwall, being Millwall, has always retained the, the name in a way that Liverpool somehow didn't. Um, Different show for that, that um, listeners. And then in October, the Broadwater Farm, right? So it was a, it was a tumultuous period of, of, of history, you know, when you look back at it in that way, wasn't it? The 1980s. Yeah. yeah, I think that I think that Mrs. Thatcher wasn't the most popular. No, she wasn't. Say she was selling off national assets. Uh, and uh, 
there was a lot of social discontent. I think there was a lot of there was a lot of uh, I'm, yeah, I'm not good at this kind of thing, but, it, no. but there was discontent between uh, those that had stuff and those that didn't have stuff. It was a divided um, period in our history, and and there's you know you can you can argue the rights and wrongs of the various players in the in the in the national story at that time. But one thing is for certain, it was a period of, of British history where riot became every day. Um, well, common. Let's be a bit more, yeah. um, a little bit, show a little bit more perspective. It, it happened a lot, as we've just read out there. I'm just looking at the Daily Mirror um, front page. This is for March 14th, Neil. Um, yep. Soccer Hell. This is front page. We only make the front page when there's been a riot made. <laughs> and then we are front and back page. Of the Daily Mirror, all the all the press next day carried this um, FA Cup riot. Thirty one police, uh, thirty one thugs held. Um, hundreds of soccer savages ran right at an FA Cup tie. They halted the match, then rampaged through the town of Luton in some of the worst football violence Britain has ever seen. And there's an image on the front of uh, rampaging mill thugs as they as they as they list it here. Um, that was. Pages of coverage inside, pages of coverage across the sports pages at the back. And so it continued. When you look at these, um, you know, uh, the, the library archives, um, it's interesting to see how long a story uh, survives on the, on the front page. I mean, you've, you've worked in the, the trade, and generally the lifespan of a story is, is quite quick, isn't it? But this one held the front pages and certainly the back pages for days afterwards yeah i think people were genuinely shocked by what happened i think it did shock the nation that absolutely i think think everybody knew that this kind of thing went on and people had experienced this kind of thing but uh but this was mill war wasn't it well we had the reputation (laughs) and uh it was any use and i think it played into Thatcher's hounds, I think, in a way, she didn't. She didn't like football. She wanted to bring in all kinds of membership schemes after this and everything, didn't she? So, yeah. I think we were the tip of the i. I think we were the tip of the iceberg. I think it had been going on for such a long time. It had um, it football into hang to hang their coat on, basically, as Reg famously said, didn't he? He did. The um, I think this was it. I think it was. It was a turning point in the game. One of one one of a number, as we've said, and that, that during these years of the nineteen eighties, the the story continued on Friday, March the fifteenth. Hammer the thugs, says the Daily Mirror. Thatcher joins the call for stiffer sentencing. Um, police want trouble clubs shut down. Um, I think there was a real fear, um, if not a means, to sh- that the clubs might get um, shut down. Interestingly, on the Saturday, so the, the story is living on from Wednesday night, Thursday, Friday. Saturday, it's still on. It's on the back pages by the Saturday. So the the back pages at Brentford refusing to play Millwall um, on police advice. It says um, Millwall are shunned as game is KO'd. Um, cold shoulder being the headlines, and so it continued. Um, it was certainly. Um, it was certainly a landmark moment in football. Certainly a landmark moment in Mill history um, because there had been there had been a number of incidents. At, at, um, I remember Slough away in the early eighties, Neil. Um, that that made the headlines. Very famous FA Cup tie, wasn't it? Where we had a couple of players sent off 
and he didn't did. want the players smash up the dressing room or something like that. <laughs> and I think the chairman threatened to close the club down at the time, Alan Thorne, of the Thorne family, which we've, we've spoken about a few times on our history show. Um, and there it was. It was, it was. it was a rough night. I mean, we got beat in the cup, went out um, to national programme. Strangely, it was a successful season, <laughs> which is a very odd thing in the, in the context of all this. Because uh, we get promoted that year, wouldn't we? It was um, the year of Fashionu and uh, George Graham and Cusack and others. And we would get promoted from the third division. Um, and another interesting thing, just to close this day of infamy, um, was that the, the aftermath, as I've, I've listed it here, is that by uh, July, um, Mills cleared. Mill, Mill, the, the, the Daily Mirror say the Football Association left themselves open to ridicule, not for the first time, total ridicule, when an appeals committee decided that neither Mill nor Luton were to blame for the riots at Kenworth Road last March. So the Mill's original £7,500 fine had been lifted and Luton had been ordered to fence in the whole of their ground. Um, a decision that infuriate many. I think there's a couple of things. Uh, funnily enough, if you actually turn to the back page, the back mm. page says they played some football too. <laughs> <laughs> In the middle of it all. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, yeah, one of the two things to actually take from that was the referee was actually a police inspector. David, was he? I didn't know that. <laughs> if, if you read it. And if you actually, and, and if you actually read uh, from the front page, yeah. Uh, some Millwall fans claim that Chelsea's notorious thugs were to blame. Yeah, the large section of of, a che of the Chelsea mob had made the thirty mile trip to Luton just to cause trouble. That's just to add a little bit of intrigue. Oh yes, and by the way, Brian Steen scored the only goal of the game. <laughs> I think um, I think Luton would go out in the semi-finals um, of the FA Cup. That left the whole club a bit like Millwall. I think it left a lot of people feeling quite empty afterwards. Um, the story about Chelsea getting involved—I don't know. I mean, I, I remember reading that at the time, and uh, I'd, I'd be interested and intrigued if any listeners to the show can shed any light. They would be willing to shed on it. I'm not, um, you know, it's just always been it's an aspect of the, the story that fascinated me. I don't know if it's true. I don't think it's true. I could be wrong because I'm not, not involved in that kind of scene. But um, there we are. Um, so there we are. That's my first. I, I thought you have to choose a day of infamy, Neil, because you can't follow me all for 50 years and not know what it is to face triumph and disaster. Maybe not so much triumph, but a lot of disaster on occasions. <laughs> So there we are, 1985, Luton away. Um, do any memories of any anyone wants to send me? Then I'll, I'll, I'll review them and censor them as, a, as as appropriate for um, possible rebroadcast or not, depending on what you send me. We'll see. Achtung, Milbal. Um I want to move along, Neil. If if we made to happier occasions. Um, and I've picked out a game here. It was actually the first season where I started going 72. And this was the first season where I can say we were successful. And that's 1975-76. We'd been relegated to the third division. And um, we eventually achieved promotion in a, a wonderful season, one of my favourite ever seasons. I was 14 going to you know, 15, for, uh, 14 going towards 15 at that point. Um, and it was a wonderful 
season of Gordon Jago's Blue and White Army, as we used to sing. And the game I've picked out, just to illustrate that, with, I think I might have mentioned it before, but it's Mill 3, Brighton, Hove, Albion 1, played, I believe it was a Good Friday game, the 16th of, of Friday. It was indeed a Good Friday. A 3-1 win. Some wonderful names. Trevor Lee, one of my favourite ever players. John Seisman and Terry Brisley played in front of 23,000. A sun-soaked den, I can remember it to this day. Um, I've got the back page of the Daily Mirror here. Uh, Lions maul Mal's hopes because the, the sub-story of the season was that we're in the third division alongside Crystal Palace, managed by Big Mal, Big Mouth, Big Mal. Um, and I think he predicted pre-season they were going to go up, which made it all the sweeter, Neil, all the sweeter, with his fedora hat and um, 70s flared style, you know. Porn star girlfriend and everything. Mm. Um, yeah, Malcolm Allison, 22,008, the biggest crowd for four seasons. It was a wonderful game. Um, I can still remember because some I thought you find in life, listeners, that you moments stand out, and the moment that stands out is actually a picture of it on the back page of the mirror that I'm looking at here is an overhead kick by Trevor Lee. Um, who'd come into the team along with Phil Walker that season from Epsom and Yule. Well, you wouldn't do that now, Lee, Neil, would you? You wouldn't sign a duo, two non-league players from Epsom and Yule and go straight into the first team. And did they make an impact? They were both of them. Phil Walker and Trevor Lee made a huge impact on a promotion-winning side. These the Football was some, somehow simpler and more... Um, I don't know if it's more enjoyable, but it just seemed it just seemed to to relate to you more then. Uh, but that's possibly age creeping up on me. I don't know. I, yeah, but, yeah, but possibly the last player to do that would have been Lee Gregory. Of course, came in. Lee Gregory, didn't yeah, really, didn't really hit it off immediately. Took some time to hit the ground, and yeah, I, mean, I suppose um, Steve Morrison didn't he come yeah. in from Stevenage? Yeah. Um, but again, it took some time for him to warm up. Both Trevor Lee and um, Phil Walker made seemed to make an immediate impact, as memory serves. Um, but this was a wonderful day. 3-1 win for the Lions. And we would go on that season um, to edge out Crystal Palace in one of the strangest games. I mentioned this the other day when I did, a, did an interview um, with, I think it was the BBC, they asked me that one of my favourite games, and just to be cussed, I picked out Crystal Palace, Neil, Chesterfield, Neil, at Selhurst Park, because that was packed with Millwall fans at the White Horse Lane terracing, as it was then, um, because we needed, Crystal Crystal Palace needed to win all their last games, and we needed Chesterfield to pull off a draw, and so they did. Um, and I don't think I've forgotten the look of surprise on the Chesterfield goalkeeper as he came out to a wall of noise cheering on Chesterfield on a, a midweek away fixture at Selhurst Park. I don't think they normally they might have had a coach load normally as it was. He got the whole the whole White Horse Lane Terrace cheering for Chesterfield, um, and promotion followed. And it was a wonderful, wonderful times. First time I ever had any success as a Millwall fan. I think it stands out in my mind. This was actually. Yeah, well, actually, at the time, I think Gordon Jago was promised by Herbert Burnage that the days of selling were over. <laughs> <laughs> if one of our most promising players, like Phil Walker, was told, then I would depart from Millwall before him. <laughs> uh, Gordon Jago. And I think, 
I think it was in the program or something before this game. And uh, Brighton were no mean team. I know we were up there with what Cardiff, Hereford, and yeah, contenders. Yeah, yeah. And the Nigels yeah. and the goals. It sounds like one hell of a game. A Dave Donaldson cross was headed back by Seisman and Trevor Lee overhead kicked. And that made it 1 0. Then Joe Kinnear, do you remember him? Uh, Joe Kinnear, Spurs, uh, yeah. Uh, Back uh, back header fell short of the goalkeeper and Seisman poked home. Yeah, Grizzly made it three nil. Yeah, and then Fred Binney, Peter Taylor, in uh, member of the Clough Taylor. He was managing them at the time. Yeah, that's right. I think they'd had a falling out, and he he was managing in Brighton, wasn't he? Yeah, I think didn't uh, didn't uh, insulted him. I think. About a week or something like that, or well, after not so long, and uh, yeah, and they had a falling out. I think it's yeah, well, I can vaguely remember it from the Damned United. Terrific, I think film. that I think that it is a terrific film. Wonderful managers, Brian Clough, as a, as a team, they work better, I think, probably both. Um, and Peter Taylor was was um, Clough's famous sidekick at Nottingham Forest. Um, the Mill team that day is, um, I, I go slightly misty-eyed at these names, Neil. Ray Goddard in goal, John Moore, Barry Kitchener, Tony Hazel. I want to come back to Tony, if I may. Uh, Dave Donaldson, you've mentioned already. That's across the back line. Trevor Lee, we've mentioned. Terry Briz, uh, Phil Walker. Chris McGrath, the name I've forgotten. And um, it's interesting when you do this research, I've just completely forgotten that he'd played for us. He was a good player, actually. I believe a Northern Irish international, if memory. Yeah, and I think didn't we get him just after the after Gordon Hill went to Manchester United or yeah, same season I think yeah, season after possibly, and then the front two, a really good front two actually of uh, John Seisman and and um, Phil Summerall, who was um, he was a decent striker. I think he was one of those strikers that didn't get the goals, but he did a lot of work and. Um, Strikers like that tend not to be terribly popular at the end, but he was, he was, I thought he was a good player. You know, he um, told me he didn't ever think he was the most popular player <laughs> at the den, but yeah, I think he was leading goal scorer that season. Did he get something like 10 or 12 goals or something like that? It was a low total, and I, I think also he replaced um, Alf Wood, who was immensely popular and was as a brave a striker as I've ever seen in a Millwall shirt. And you know, was um, got got uh, get goals and would put his head in where it hurt, and was a was a wonderful, wonderful Millwall striker in the true sense of that word. Um, I've picked out two names from the Who's Who book, actually. You know, I don't know who wrote that book, whoever wrote it really knows their stuff, listeners. Millwall Who's Who, um, I picked out <laughs> Tony Hazel. Um, who I liked. He was a very solid, stocky, um, a kind of defender, defensive midfielder. You could play in both, really. But a fact that I'd learned from the book, actually, you know, I never knew this. I was a fan of the, there used to be a TV private detective series in the, the 70s, which starred Nicholas Ball and had been written by Terry Venables. Um, I never realised that Hazel, the TV series, was named after... Tony Hazel, and that's a fact that's in the Who's Who book, and I, I thought that's a real gem of information I never knew until I did the research for this 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 show today. So, 
Thank you. Information I must have got from somewhere. Christ knows where. <laughs> Great player. Good good strike of a free kick, I think, actually. Tony Hazel from memory. But he played, he'd been around the track a few times. QPR, Palace, Millwall, Charlton. Um, also, just we, we mentioned Dave Donaldson earlier on as well. Another player that I really liked. He'd come in in the early 70s. Um, I think he replaced Eddie Jones, or was it Harry? Harry Cripps and, and Eddie Jones. Harry Cripps and Brian Brown were replaced by Dave Donaldson and um, Eddie Jones. And this was a big deal down there at the time. It felt like, um, you know, a changing of the guard almost. But a very honest, solid uh, fullback, Dave Donaldson. And he was, he was with us for some time. Um, uh, joined us in May 73. Uh, I haven't got how many appearances he made, but he was he was he was, uh, he was there for the bulk of the seventies. Uh, Dave Dalton, I, I really liked him as well. He's a good player. Yeah, he was a player. I think we got on the free transfer from Arsenal, didn't we? That's right. I think he went to Cambridge in the end when he left us. He made two hundred sixty-four um, appearances and scored two goals. Spent seven seasons at the club. Good, good, good player. He had a great haircut as well. Very seventies kind of um, Rod Stewart style haircut at times. Yeah, so I Dave think Dalton. Yeah. It was a free transfer, I think, after Brian Brown and uh, yeah. Harry Cripps had fallen out of favour, I think, with Benny at the time. It would have been a Benny Fenton signing, another Benny Fenton signing that served yeah. extraordinarily well over the years. A very shrewd manager, Benny Fenton. I mean, he, he ran out of road in the end, but it was a shame because I think that he could have... You don't get time in football, and unfortunately, I think Benny had probably used up his time by the time he left us, but he was a great judge of a player, in my opinion, when you, when you look back all these years later. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. Achtung, Mailball. Side towards Samuel now, Brisley. A chance now on the far side for Salvage, and he scores. along if we may and then this there is youtube footage of this fixture listen i recommend you have a look at it because it's wonderful it's a, it's a snapshot of mid-70s football at cold Blow lane and it's a wonderful day it was by far 
the biggest game that I had ever been to, Neil, um, in terms of uh, Mill hysteria. This was Mill 3, Chelsea nil. The game played on the 4th of September 1976. I was just short of my 16th birthday by this stage. Um, and you can see footage of it. I recommend that you do, listeners, because the big match were there. And you knew you had a big game at Millwall when the big match were in town there. That scaffolded camera gantry set up on the halfway line. And we, we'd we been promoted. This is a Division 2 game. Chelsea, I think, had been relegated. I believe it was a previous season. And... Well, this wasn't Chelsea of the modern era. The uh, not Roman Abramovich anymore, are they? But they're, they're the kind of European Cup winning Chelsea. This was the slightly faded, odd FA Cup show business followed Kings Row pub level Chelsea of the sixties and seventies. But they still brought a certain faded glamour. It's like I don't know, I'm trying to think. Of it. It's like Tom Jones playing the local Odeon or something. They they brought a certain glow of uh, tawdry show business to this to them to the den and it was by far the biggest game I'd ever been at um yeah, I'm the boys of the West End really weren't they the kings of the <laughs> road they were still living off that kind of yeah on a European Cup winners cup and an FA Cup and and yeah the odd the odd battle with the odd the odd kind of hungover battle with Leeds on where they'd all have a fight on the pitch and you know yeah. Um, I used to manage a block of flats in Chelsea and it was always full up with kind of wannabe faded B-list show business types, you know, and that was always, always been my image of, of, of Chelsea as a football. It's very hard for me to, to this day, listeners, to get with the kind of European super group, um, super level that they're at now. Um, goals by Barry Salvage, who was a great player, winger Barry Salvage. Free transfer from Brentford, I'm reading here in this... Um, Report in the Daily Mirror. Uh, Ray Evans, Neil, a fullback from Tottenham, Tottenham. I believe. Yeah, one of my favourite ever um, players for the for the Lions. I mean, there's always so many listeners, but he struck a a, um, a free kick, a 25 yard free kick. I'm reading here in the, in the Daily Mirror report. Um, and of course, Chelsea were fielding Ray Wilkins, Butch Wilkins, as he was known at that point. In their midfield, so they 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 weren't exactly. Um, I think they were favourites to go up, just because of their name, and we absolutely tore them to shreds. And I think it was Terry Brisley scored the the third. It was a header um, that comes off the crossbar and hits ex England goalkeeper Peter Benetti on the bum and goes in the net. So it was just like the, the ultimate forty five minutes of pure Millwall blistering football, and wow. I've never forgotten it. Wonderful, wonderful day. There's something I've just realised is the match report's written by a very good friend of mine, Tony Roach. Oh, uh, okay. Who became the rugby union correspondent of the Sun for a number of years. Wow. And his son, Dan, uh, was actually an outnumbered. A little bit of useless information for you. Oh, so that's, what, that's the kind of detail we like. We, we, we like that kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> wonderful, wonderful day. In my Millwall life, Chelsea were a big team, and and it would have been a big, big game. And you'd have got, yeah, well, I guess you got that big game buzz. Oh, manic! Um, it was one of the you to whip it up back then, would you? It would have just taken care of itself, or it took care of itself. There was it was the first time because the, the, the way that teams would enter the pitch traditionally. 
listeners, um, and you're at this 1970s here. This was the first time I'd ever seen it where both teams walked out together. It's the norm. It's the standard now, and you you couldn't imagine anything else. But traditionally, when I first started going, the the away team would come out first, kick their balls out, and run on the pitch to booze and and abuse, and you know they, then you had the the pantomime counter point to that when Millwall came out, they cheered to the rafters because you know you had the villains of the piece and then the heroes as they came on. Didn't always finish like that, so you know depending on the result, then it might be the other way around when um, when the teams left the pitch. But that the, this game here was the first time I saw both teams enter the pitch together. And I think when you watch the um, YouTube footage, Brian Moore makes the point it's in, in an effort to show solidarity. Peace on the terraces, I think, is the expression. That I think uses. they were probably more worried about the place getting ripped apart, weren't they? <laughs> it was a lively afternoon, listeners. I'm going to go no further. We only just covered the Luton game. And um, I think we can say no more than Mill versus Chelsea. 76 was a lively afternoon in and around New Cross. Um, so that's my second my, my second choice of positivity, I think, there. Achtung, Mehlball. I'm going to move along, Neil. Um, I'm going to move, wind forward now. I stress listeners also that there'd be many, many big games in between these choices, and these are just games that I, I went to and that mattered to me. Um, so I've, I've my, odd as it might sound, I've missed out some fairly big uh, moments. Like I, I wasn't at Hull; I, I didn't go to that game. I, I was expecting us to win promotion, or hoping us for us to win promotion in the the uh, final game at, uh, versus Blackburn. But it all been sewn up up to Boo Ferry Park in 1988. So instead, I've chosen a manic afternoon nil. Um, 1988, 17th of September. Our first home win in the first division, 0-2, Everton won. There's a wonderful picture, colour picture in the Daily Mirror of Cass, two-goal um, Tony, um, as we as we put uh, Everton to the sword. It was a wonderful, sunny afternoon. Um, it was the first big team that we'd played. We'd beaten Derby in the first division, so we'd actually had a, a win under our belt, which is my mo- main concern when we got promoted that we actually won, won at least one game in top flight and then um this was the first one of the big five as they were called back then the five richest clubs which still at that point included everton and so it's probably our biggest first test in 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 the top flight and as ever with Millwall, i think i think we're as a club we are at our best, at our strongest in what seems to be a cup tie style atmosphere, and this was the memory of this day was that you know it was it was, it was frenetic. The, the the action was end to end. Everton had Peter Reid. I remember him playing for Everton. Was a player that I've always admired, um, but they came up against a Lions side that um, showed no mercy to them, and um, a, a classic. You know that when you look at the lineup for this this fixture, Brian Horn. Backline, Ian Dawes, Steve Wood, Alan McCleary, Danny Salmon, replaced by Keith Stevens in the 30th minute. Midfield, Lawrence Briley, George Lawrence, Les Briley, Terry Herlock, Kevin O'Callaghan, and Cascarino and Sherring. And that, if that's not a definitive Millwall 11, I don't know what is. It's, it's, and there was a, a team playing at the very maximum of their, of their form at this point. We beat Everton 2-1. This felt like a really big result at the time, front of 17,000. I think it's quite interesting to note that certainly the papers at the time noted that Tony Cotty, 
had cost more, uh, about £2 million, than our entire team. As it ever, as it ever was. As it ever yeah. was. And uh, I'm just reading the match report here. Everton's first taste of Millwall was an announcement <laughs> of the local DJ saying, welcome to our modest little home in your fabulous division. I didn't hear many welcomes to our modest little home. I'm none, none sticking the memory. It, it was a bit more um, <laughs> gritty yeah, than that. True. Yeah, but if that's true, that has got a bit. That's <laughs> fantastic. But Everton were a huge, huge team around about this time, weren't they? I think they'd won the league. Uh, they won the yeah. league a couple of times. And, uh, they were champions a couple of years before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think and this, it was only their neighbours rioting at Heisel. Yeah, that, which we mentioned uh, already. Yeah, yeah. That actually stopped them from probably going on to become European champions. They were that good. Mm. That, they had marvellous players. Kevin Sheedy, it was fantastic. Yeah. Neville Southall in goal. And I doubt there was a better goalkeeper around at that time. No, I agree. And at the back, and Cotty was at the height of his powers, wasn't he? A wonderful afternoon. The other interesting thing, which is an aside, because as a Millwall fan, you know, having seen some of the, the darker days of the of third division football, um, and as we've mentioned already in the day of infamy, you know, we only get big coverage, which tends to be big coverage whenever there's been some breach of uh, public peace and order. Um, but the, you know, this this is two pages with colour photos, two pages with a coverage across the the sports pages of the Sunday Mirror. Um, it, it, it felt really odd and pleasantly odd, if that's a, if that makes any sense, for our Millwall, our little modest little club, as we've just heard it described, to get full spread coverage in the in the national press. Now we were unused to it. I don't know how um, how you felt, but this was not something that we'd seen before. Um, the overwhelming impression that left me with of top flight football is the amount of coverage you get of your of your side, and more now, of course, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, funnily enough, I was just about to say it's even bigger now, isn't it? Mm. Absolutely. In such depth on their woke sports news and, <laughs> <laughs> and everything else. And the papers are only interested in the Premier League. Woke so sports news, I like that one. <laughs> oh, dear. What they'd make of us now, wouldn't you? Oh dear, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Every week, but they'd want to do stories <laughs> on every week, wouldn't they? Absolutely. I've picked yeah, out two seasons, wasn't it? It was Mills two seasons in the sun and uh... top flight. Yeah, days that I'll never forget, like the song says. Um, I've picked out Teddy as a player. I just wanted to to mention. I mentioned him a few times before, but if you ask me for my favourite ever player, I've got to go for Kitch because he was such a a rock, but very, very, very close behind for me is Teddy Sheringham Mill. Um, and I know that a lot have dwelled on his later career, where he's, whichever club he went to, he said he followed him as a, as a fan. I think that became a bit of an ironic um, joke in joke for him in the end when he went to Colchester and places that was like a that. Stunt, wasn't it by by Stephen? Yeah. <laughs> press officers need to come up with a line, don't they, for their press release? They do. And he went to West Ham. We know that. Um, I cannot 
ever get past the contribution that Teddy Sheringham made to Millwall Football Club. Not only did he fire us into, along with Cascarino, fire us into the top flight, he stuck around at our club when um, he didn't need to. He could have moved on when we were relegated back to Division 2 and produced a, um, a, a, I don't know, it's a record goal scoring season. It's one that is a very, very high scoring season. Um, 1983 to 1991, 262 games, 111 goals, a master of his craft. And of course, he would go on to success at Manchester United, a treble, a European Cup wins, uh, European Champions League medal, um, PFA Player of the Year, um, England, which is, you know, I, I just can't, um, I can't hate on him, Neil. Um, I, I just I can never forget the contribution that he made to one of the greatest greatest seasons, if not the greatest season of Millwall's history. Um, I really hate no. on him. They shouldn't do. No, It's PR nonsense at the end of the day. It's not like he was ever really... Yeah, well, I think he played for Millwall and Tottenham and he signed for West Ham, so what are they going to do? There we are. Isn't it? I think a lot of it is internet internet nonsense. I, I didn't realise he has an MBE. I'm just looking at the club who's who book, um, written by one Neil Fizzler, and we'll, we'll stick a link in the show notes for this because I, I do refer to it a hell of a lot now when I do these shows. Um, but I didn't realise he had an MBE um, for for services, I guess, to the game. I'd imagine. Um, and there's a professional poker player now. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Achtung, Mailball. Sold a bit short there by McCartney. Highfield goes alone, blocked by Paul Cahill. He's on the spot. That's his game. And Tim Cahill puts Millwall in front of Old Trafford in the FA Cup semi-final. What a mistake. What a mistake at the back. But my goodness, didn't they take advantage of it? But only because of that man's ability to finish a really awkward chance. Positive theme. It's fairly obvious choice, listeners. Fairly obvious choice. But these are personal games that mattered to me, and I can never, I couldn't do a list like this and not mention Mill one Sunderland nil in the semi final of the FA Cup, the fourth of the fourth of the two thousand and four. I, 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 I think you know, the moments of that whole day, um, the goal scored by by Tim Cahill. Uh, the run by um, Eiffel to generate the, the, the you know, the, the, the kind of block shot and then it fell to K and we put it away. Um, and the sheer lunacy, Neil, of, of Millwall making an FA Cup final. I I know there's a line in um, Only Fools and Horses about, you know, Grandad says maybe one day Millwall will win the, win, make the FA Cup final. And, you know, that was a, that, I never dreamt we'd make an FA Cup final and we did. And we made Europe. <laughs> there's, a, there's a, um, I found a, an article from, it's an Irish paper, Dublin um, Evening Herald, 
And the great opening paragraph, which forgive me if I read it, it's, um, it, it is time for Europe to become acquainted with a new song, Nissan si ama, non si importa, at San Siro. Then in German, Niemand liebt uns, es macht nichts. No one likes us and we don't care in Italian and German. <laughs> I thought that's an imaginative opening paragraph. <laughs> I can remember getting up at five o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning to go to that game. Yeah. I think it was a time kickoff, wasn't it? It was a lunchtime kickoff, yeah. Yeah, that's right. In Manchester. Do you know, I can't remember going to the game. I thought we had a chance because of the two finals. I think it was Arsenal and Man United in the other They semi-final. drew each other. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, And we um, had the easier route as we'd gone through the whole of this competition and not played anybody from the top flight, had we? <laughs> That's right. We'd, we'd have a blast draw. And, you know, I don't ever think, I can't remember back now whether or not I had any particular thoughts about an FA Cup final. Yeah. Strange one. I'm, tr- I'm trying to think now. And I can remember the day so vividly. It was warm was I don't know if I expected I don't know what I expected I think I expected Mill to fall at the the final hurdle if I'm gonna be honest with listeners. I mean you, you just... to be quite honest because we're Mill yeah. that's what we that's what we look at, isn't it? And I can remember funnily enough I did an interview with Darren Ward hmm. on 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 the other place. And uh, <laughs> Okay, Mickey, yeah, no, well, I'll mention it, that Millwall podcast. <laughs> that Millwall podcast. <laughs> it was only ever a joke. <laughs> That's yeah. what they say in Parliament for the House of Lords. <laughs> in the House of Lords, you, you, you did it, yeah. <laughs> I did a couple of hour interview with Darren Ward. Yeah. And, uh, do you know what? One of the main things that stands out about that day is that fucking clock in the corner, the top <laughs> How slow it moved. And he said, do you know what? He said, that's what stands out for me. He said, I kept on looking at it, and I thought time was going backwards. Time froze, didn't it? That, that it endless it, second it, half. It seemed to be an hour that, yeah, didn't we score after 20, 30 minutes or something like that? It was early in the first half. And it, we, I think just going back to your, your point about what did we expect out of the day, you know, I think – you, me, every Mill fan that went to that that landmark game expected it to go wrong on us because the story of Mills have temptations, you know, success shown to you and then taken away. Like, you know, you can have all the toys in the shop, but not now. You know, you've got to go go and play with your broken um your broken uh, bike or something somewhere else. And that because the, the second half just seemed to last forever. And I thought this is going to go. They're going to get a goal. And I thought if if Sunderland scored a goal, then it would the, the game would evade our grasp, you know. Um, but somehow the, the the afternoon went into like a slow motion. Every second lasted for ten minutes. It seemed it's horrible. It was a horrible, <laughs> horrible experience. It was a brilliant experience. Yeah. But the fact that time went so slowly. Yeah. And then. Um, final whistle went and you just for a couple of seconds it it took some time to sink in a sense of disbelief i, I remember I'd, I'd taken my um my partner at the time a son the stepson if you want to him he was um aged about 10 11 i think and i remember getting to the when when the final whistle finally went i think i was actually 
hoarse to the point I couldn't. I actually lost my voice. I, uh, my voice uh, went so. When the final whistle went, obviously the mobile phone started going off immediately because of this bizarre thing that Mill had made a cup final. And by default, we were going to play in the um, UEFA Cup, um, as the rules allowed at that point. I think they changed it. It was like the Millwall Amendment, wasn't it? You couldn't have Millwall ever playing in Europe ever again <laughs> by default. And I took a call, but I, 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 the, the, I couldn't speak. I, I'd lost my voice because you just want, I think, the sheer... Raw, I think the the, the, the the that very mill idea that if you could roar loud enough that somehow you kept the ball at bay, it was almost physically. Um, I didn't did Dickio hit a crossbar or did they hit a crossbar? I can't remember now. Um, mate, it, it went, went on forever. Things the two guys I went up with, one of them, Glenn, was in tears at the final. Yeah. Sorry, mate, if you're listening to this, but well, it's true, it's true because all three of us were just. I took my son up and Millwall were in a fucking FA Cup final. Mental. Mental. You're in a FA Cup final. Then we piled out the ground and I said, hold on a minute. (laughs) We're all going on a European (laughs) tour. Oh, dear. Some Um, of fans that were in tears because they'd just be... um, you just had all of these Millwolf had just bouncing around singing with <laughs> the European tour. And... Oh dear, it was it was amazing. Oh, um, I, 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 I to touch it again those days, listeners, because it was one of those. Um, well, I picked these, all of these games have been in their different ways landmark moments. I think probably it's the this is the one that is so far out of your expectation zone that it, it has its own. Um, universe almost, you know. Um, the team oh, that day, you're right, you're absolutely right. You're in a parallel universe, it's like an out of body experience, isn't it? That you're well, almost on it, and you can't quite believe what's you happening. You can't quite believe it happened because all the, all the other games that I've mentioned, and, and even to finish off, they were great games and they mattered, and they you know, brilliant days and all the rest of it, but they weren't so far out of the um, the the. the you know, they weren't in the twilight zone. <laughs> this was this was a day that was unbelievable. Fifty six thousand, I think about twenty thousand Millwall fans made the because you know, there was a ticket restriction, which um, Theo um, I think imposed a ticket restriction. It probably wasn't the worst thing in the world when you when you look at subsequent and previous events. But um, the yeah, team that day tickets could you for friends. No. And- and things they like. had a closed because it's old Trafford. I think that they had a up, upper deck that was closed. Um, who knows what if we just we probably would have sold it, but you never know you're going to get then, do you? This was this was a proper Millwall traveling support, um, an immense day. But the team that day, listeners Andy Marshall in goal, Robbie Ryan replaced by Marvin Elliott on the on the 56th minute. Um, is it Marvin? Yeah, yeah it was Marvin. Yeah, Matt Lawrence, Darren Ward, Kevin Muscat, who crucially we would lose to injury in the 42nd minute. Andy Roberts came in as his replacement. He would be a big loss for the final when that finally came around. Midfield, David Livermore, much maligned David Livermore, but a player of the season. However, um, ironically, that was awarded. Dennis Wise, um, Tim Cahill, Paul Ifill, replaced by Peter Sweeney. I forgot that Sweeney came in so early in the game, the 29th minute for Paul Ifill. 
I presume that was a knock. I feel must have taken a knock. He pulled his um, groin or something like that. Did he? Was it? Was that? I can't remember now. Uh, and doing the research for this, listeners, I, it always surprises you with something. I've forgotten that I feel having created the goal, left the game relatively early, twenty nine minutes, and then up front, Danny Dikio and and Neil. I like Dikio. He was a good solid Millwall striker, uh, and Neil Harris alongside him. Um, wonderful, wonderful days. I've picked out Tim Cahill as a as a. I couldn't let this show go past without mentioning one of the greatest midfielders I ever saw for uh, for the Lions. Um, Cahill was uh, 260 games for the Lions, two spells. I, I don't really count that second spell, listeners, in 2018. 1997 to 2004 was his proper spell. 260 games, 58 goals for Tim. Uh, one of the... One of the biggest talents I think we ever saw in certainly midfield. Australia's all-time leading goal scorer, and a man who will go on after Millwall to uh, you know uh, play in Everton, uh, New York, and around the world, become a world football figure. Um, what what a great player! I can't stand him. I I really do hate how modern players are because they happen to be leading goal scorer one season or. Yeah, just be around for four or five years, but I think in Millwall history, I think Tim Cahill deserves to be remembered as one of our all-time great players. I believe so. Um, he, he was such an influence on everything that we did, and he was such a good player. We were so fortunate in those early. I mean, nineteen ninety-seven, Neil, when he when he first joined, along with um, the likes of Harris and and Reed and, and I feel and. You know that 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 kind of late nineties team, um, when the club was on the brink of um, bankruptcy, administration, and you know we, we, we've we've told that story before. But I think we were so lucky to uh, have such a rich vein, find such a rich vein of talent at a time where we really really needed it, and and they they all came through to go on to greater things. I mean, you know, uh, Tim especially. Um, but I just think we, we you know, we, we we just caught such a break at that time, and what a wonderful day! And I can never ever forget the fourth of April, two thousand and four. So that's my fourth choice, Neil. Achtung, Milbal. Move along, move along. And last choice, last choice. Much more recent, and um, it's quite hard to to make these lists, listeners. If you ever you ever decide, I try. I've tried to hit. A balance of, of choices here that illustrate different times, and it's, it's easy to fall into a trap of when you were young. You know, you, the, the games seem much much bigger and much brighter. But my choice for the last one, Neil, is a wonderful, wonderful afternoon. Neil won Leicester City nil, eighteenth of February, twenty seventeen in the FA Cup. This, I think, um, it's quite hard to judge modern results by the standards of other days, isn't it? You know, you we, we do this a lot, I think, when we do these kind of history shows. You kind of slightly trying to assess players and games of the past in modern terms. But this is, this is quite a recent achievement. But I think the measure of this achievement to beat a team that were the reigning Premier League champions. Champions um, of England. Champions of England. Uh, Millwall as a third division side, League One side in in modern parlance, and down to ten men, and still 
still, I mean, we rode, we rode our luck. They had a couple of chances, which we, we, we you know, we, we, we escaped. Um, but to take the game to them and to win the day, um, it's, such an, it's, one of the, it's one of the biggest results in the club's, in all the 50 years I've been there in many ways because of the sheer measure of the achievement. Does, does that sound fair to you? Yeah, I think I think that when it came that when the draw was made, you probably wouldn't have found many people to have given us a prayer in this game. No, in a way they played into our hands. They left inexplicably left Jamie Vardy on the bench for most of it. Yeah, and uh, which and uh, Chilwell, we you know. Obviously, I think he went to Sporting Integrity FC in West London, didn't he? Really? <laughs> Afterwards, he was too... yeah, but that's... yeah, but that sums up for me that day was he was too scared to take a throw in. Well, it was that's a rabid. It was a rabid crowd. <laughs> it was a den at his best. <laughs> little old Millwall, and it it was a proper. It was a big game, wasn't it? it? And 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 it had that. You talk about that Chelsea game, and I wish I was there. But yeah. this had that big game atmosphere, didn't it? People hanging off the top tiers, and yeah, that yeah. wall of noise and intimidation, and everything that a, we love about a big game down at the Den. And this it was, was early. Early kickoff, I think, if memory serves, it was about TV a one. Game, it, I think. TV game, I think they kicked it off at one, or it might have been twelve thirty. I, I think I've got an idea of one. Um, February, it was a grey, cool day. It wasn't wasn't warm by any stretch. The den was packed. There was that very Millwall sense of when you can almost touch the electricity in the den. We, any everyone listening to this show knows those, um, all these in many ways these, these games that I've mentioned have that moment where you feel blimey it's it's real today this this was a this was one of those days um run of that kind of feel do you remember the do you remember the aston villa game on the friday night yeah we had we beaten we'd beaten um was it watford premier league watford i think yeah we the, beat, uh, didn't we beat villa watford I know we'd, we'd beaten a series of Premier League sides, and but I think the the, the kind of um, and you, you've just touched on it there. They, they were sides I really think really didn't fancy coming to the den. They 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 were trying their best to remain in the money machine of the Premier League. And they just didn't need the um, the grief of uh, the trying hassle. To, yeah, but they put yeah, out the hassle. Teams, didn't they? They put was, out second string teams and they came That's down right. and they got the bottoms walloped by us. It's, it's that boxing term. They didn't want to go to war in the ring with Millwall, did they? Um no. and they, they 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 put in second second stringers and they, they got their their just desserts. To some extent Leicester weren't quite um in that category. They did leave out Vardy who was I'm, I would agree I because Vardy's come through the levels that he has, he knows the score at places like Millwall. He's, he's been there and been, bought the T-shirt. And he was one of those players that I feared because he's a quality striker. And he but he's also... Top, yeah, but he was a top striker at the time, or top English absolutely. striker. Absolutely. Top e England's pick, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, but he, he, whereas some of the, the continental players, would their jaw would have dropped to what they were facing, um, I don't think Jamie Vardy's jaw would have dropped to quite the same 
depth that um, I might, you know, I might be doing them a disservice. But um, the fact he was on the bench his, until his wife was getting during the game. <laughs> Every time he warmed up. Oh dear, wonderful stuff. The Mill team that day, listeners. Um, this was Jordan Archer in his good days when he was a good goalkeeper back in the day. It's a shame that it finished the way it did. Jordan Archer, I think he made a couple of good saves in this game. I think they had chances if memory serves, and they, um, you know, we, we were still in it, but um, and obviously going down to 10 men when Jake Cooper was sent off uh, added to the burden. But Jordan Archer in goal, the hero of the day across the back line. Uh, Cummings, uh, Sean Cummings, um, Byron Webster, good player until he got injured. Jake Cooper, Tony Craig, what a Millwall servant! Neil Tony Craig on the on the, on the left oh, midfield. Eight, Aiden O'Brien, Callum Butcher, and forgotten man. I've forgotten he played in this game. Sean Williams, um, Shane Ferguson, Fred on your Dinmar leading line up front alongside Steve Morrison, um, and they all gave hundred percent. And it's, it's one of the great, great games. Uh, Lee Gregory would come in. Jimmy Abdu came in for Butcher in the 75th minute. Uh, Marlon Romeo came in for uh, for Ferguson in the 86th minute. Um, the the man of the hour, the, the, the BBC man of the match was Sean Cummings. Um, and this was this was a high point of his, I, I think a high point possibly of his football career. I know he'd started at Chelsea just looking at his, um, bio in the uh, in the Who's Who book, but I can't think much would match this moment, this wonderful moment when he went on a slight dribble into the penalty area in the 90th minute and slotted a ball home with a ball. I never saw him do it afterwards. I never I hadn't seen him do it before. It was just one of those. I think God, we were all shocked. moments. I think we were all shocked, and I can just remember everybody. There are two goals that I can openly remember going absolutely mental at. <laughs> one and yep. Liam Potter's goal at West Ham. <laughs> yeah, you just sometimes you just go absolute. You just lose it over a you goal. Do. Yeah, and this was because it was so late in the game. There yep. was no way back for them after this. No, they looked. They looked absolutely devastated when the goal went in. They, you could see bodies falling to the floor. They, they yeah. couldn't believe they'd been turned over by this third division oh, Millwall side. Yeah, um, and 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 it was just everybody just absolutely bananas. And it and and it's one of those things. I, I well have experienced it at Twickenham, but that's only because of the sheer weight and numbers. Mm. But the stand moved. I'm almost certain it bloody moved. Either that or I ended up three rows from where I should. <laughs> a mate of mine I, I used to work with, he lives, um, or he, he was uh, in, in the place that was, I think, around Rotherhithe. And he said that when the goal went in, it felt like an explosion. Uh, you know, and this was what a couple of miles, maybe a mile and a half from the ground there, Rotherhithe to the den, maybe a mile. But he, he said he when when the goal went in, he heard it. It was like a, like a bomb had gone off, <laughs> and it felt that way inside the stadium. It, it was that kind of um, earthquake kind of quality. Uh, wonderful days. Live for as a Millwall fan, isn't it? It's so, yeah. It was a bit like the Sunderland game. We don't have these things very often, but when they do, they're they're special moments. I'd hate to support a club like Manchester City. Or Sporting Integrity FC in, in West London. 
I've the... often wondered this. I've often wondered this because I mean, you know, um, I think we can become a little bit um, myopic at Millwall. In that it's, it, this is our intense little world, and it matters to us. We feel connected to the club. I do wonder times when you watch the Premier League coverage of, uh, of City, Chelsea, oh, Arsenal, whatever you like. Can you feel connected to it? I don't know. um, Maybe you can. I don't know. Uh, Maybe people do. But um, it's, I suppose, the smallness of Millwall, which is both its its strength and its weakness in in all in one, makes it so much more real, Neil. This this, this result, um, landmark, I mean, as I keep saying, landmark, um, just a wonderful, wonderful day. And um, I'm just looking at the, uh, the, the BBC report of the day. Uh, there's an image of Neil Harris being interviewed after the game. And, you know, I, I know that the wheels came off of Neil Harris's management, as, as all, all management careers end in failure. But my word, as Ray Wilkins would have said, my word, he produced some massive moments. When you think of this game, the, the playoff wins and the Everton game that would, that would come a couple, years, a couple of seasons afterwards. Um, Absolutely. You know, if you want big Mill moments... Very hard to look far past Neil Harris, one of the great players and a very useful manager for these big time games, the cup tie style games. Um, so, what would be your favourite? Come on, yellow, yellow. It's very. It's, it's like desert island discs. It's very, very hard to pick one out because each of these games, um, apart from the Luton game, which was in as just a bit of a wild card, mattered so much at the time. Um, if I'm go- if I'm going to pick one, and that's that's the challenge here to pick one, I'm going to go with the the semi final of uh, 2004 because it felt so unlikely. It was so far outside of anyone's expectation, and the rewards for making a cup final at that point were that you could play in Europe, a, an event I never thought could happen. Neil, because um, to get into Europe, normally you have to finish high up in the first division, and we, you know, we had a shot at it in the late eighties. It was quite hard to see us having another shot as football developed into the the modern Premier League era. So, if I'm going to pick one, I'm going to go with with 2004, uh, the FA Cup semi final. Out of those five, I do stress to listeners these are all personal choices. So you may well have other games that mean more to you, but this, these are just games that mattered to me. But um, which would you? What would your choice be, Neil? Just out of interest, if you pick one game ever for oh. Millwall, very hard, very hard thing to do. Sunderland, uh, yeah, the Mother's Day massacre, which I think was on your original list. It was on my ten, and I, I thought we got to lose something, so I had to take that one out. Um, uh, but that was a wonderful day. Um, the FA Cup final because I went with my son. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'd include that. Yeah, yeah. Ferran Varosh at home because we had we <laughs> it was had a surreal day. Wasn't it? <laughs> we had a game in the European. We had a game in the UEFA Cup. Yeah, one of my biggest regrets is actually not going to Ferran Varosh away. No, I, I couldn't go. I couldn't go. I had to watch it on. I watched it in Bexley. In uh, there's a pub. Coach and Horses, I think it's called, in Bexley Village. They had it on a live stream there, and that kept failing. But I, I, I couldn't make it over to uh, to, to uh, Budapest. Um, disappointment, obviously. But um, I, but 
it sounds awful, but I'd probably because it because it's kind of agreeing with you in a way. But the Sunderland gang would yeah. be up there. I think it's a good choice. Um, one thing I would say, just to close our show, because we're, uh, we're, we're over an hour now, so we don't try to keep it to an hour, listeners. Believe it or not, we do try to keep it to an hour if we can. And I've we try to a lot. many tangents, Nick, don't we? We do. The one thing, I'm trying to summarise 50 years of following Millwall, Neil, um, from Millwall beating Pompey in 1972, March 31st, today, back 50 years ago. Um, the thing that strikes me is... Um, the thing that strikes me sounds a bit philosophical, but the Millwall and the world, but Millwall we talk about has changed a lot radically um, from those days. And yet somehow it has remained the same. I think George Orwell said that, that the world can change totally and yet somehow remain the same. The, the club that we follow is still tangibly that same club that I first saw in 1972. And that's, that's quite something to be able to say. Yeah, yes, it's changed, but it's still the same, fundamentally the same. And it's been my privilege to have had 50 years of, of um, following the Lions. Um, probably won't make another 50. If I'm under... <laughs> I can't see me making it. I can't see me doing a podcast. We're on 111. I might have to jack that one in. Leave, yeah, leave it to the kids. <laughs> To a podcast, even if podcasts aren't around, we'll find a way. I, I think I won't be here for that one, sadly. But um, 50 years, um, there we are, Neil. I really want to say thank you for joining me on this show. It meant, meant it's, it's been a, a very um, interesting show, personal show. I hope listeners enjoy it, and uh, thank you for listening. And we will be back after the weekend, after hopefully a riot free visit to Lou. Till then, dear listeners. <laughs> But thanks for listening and bye for now. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.